If it was illegal to say stupid things into a microphone. Why must you be so stupid? These guys would be doing life without parole. Hey everybody, we're back from prison. Why do we keep encouraging this kind of behavior? It's the Breaking the Ice podcast with Josh Dolan. You know, we could like go to jail for this. Along with Mike Shue. And Isaiah Moscahanna Bonsa Mana Blitz Boskowitz? Whatever the hell his name is. Podcast forever. Oh, I'm very excited to talk to Frank Turner. Oh, me too. I was just I was just diving into a bunch of his stuff. I like the whole make America great again when he went on the streets of Austin. Oh, I didn't see you that. see that video? No, oh no. he's just like British guy in a little yeah. bow tie walks out into the streets of Austin with, you know, what makes, in your opinion, what makes America great. And it's, it's just funny. It's just good. He's clearly not a Trump fan. Oh, I thought that was the theme song for Trump's campaign. <laughs> well, that's why you just read the headline. You didn't actually listen to the song. You did listen to the song. Something about racism and racist people. And yeah. So we don't still have a president. No, it's going to be a while. Yeah, we're just by the weekend. <laughs> It'll be 60. Everybody will be outside and they'll just quickly yeah. announce it. So and so is the president. They'll announce okay. it Friday night at 9 30. Right. <laughs> and then everyone will wake up Monday morning and go, when did that happen? Fucking Wait, Patriots. <laughs> Blame it on Cam Newton. It's yeah. Tom Brady's yeah. fault. It's Tom, Tom left town. Everything went to shit. <laughs> <clears throat> I just hope my candidate won. So if I if voted for can, somebody. I voted for Joe Rogan. So, I mean, <laughs> he would be good. He has more people watching his podcast than what did you say? Like Fox and all the channels to combined. Oh yeah. He, he has more influence than the president. So why not just vote for him? presidents? Yeah. Don't really have influence. They're idiots. He really Plural. No, I mean, you know, it's amazing though. That's just the, the way the votes are, are rolling out here. Uh, you know, America doesn't want a president. I'm convinced America wants a King. Something we should talk to Frank Turner about. A king? Yeah, they don't want they don't want a president to represent them. They want a king to tell them what to do. Oh, or, it, or a queen? What about a queen? Let's sure, a queen. whatever. They want a monarchy. We want to we want to go back to the monarchy. We got to talk to Frank Turner about that. Tell me what to do. Queen, here we go. About that. There he is. There's Frank. Frank. Turner. What's up, man? What's going Good. Good. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. We appreciate it. I made it just on time. I was in the middle of losing my mind doing some recording and then went, fuck, it's nearly time. So here oh, we we've already all lost our minds. Bro. Yeah, our minds oh, yeah. Are gone, man. <laughs> we were just gone. talking about how we should give America back to England. So, well, yes. I was say, this is quite a day to be having a conversation with three American people. Right. Uh, <laughs> None of us. Mike, Mike just time. made a good point. Uh, by the way, Frank, I'm Isaiah. That's Josh. And that's Mike. Thanks for coming on breaking the ice. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We were just talking about how, uh, Mike just said, we don't think that our country wants a, a president. We want to have a dictator. We want to have a king or a queen. What are your thoughts? Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not that the queen exercises much in the way of meaningful political power in this country, but the bit where you guys kicked out the king a couple yeah. hundred years ago, whenever it was, that was pretty cool. We were all quite into that. We um, kind of do have a, a royal family. We have the Kardashians. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I'm still not in This is I, obviously I know who the who the Kardashians are, but I'm still not entirely sure like who they are. There's a British comedian called Bill Bailey. I don't know if you know Bill Bailey. He's Ooh. he's amazing. And I was on a breakfast TV show, and it was me and him and these two kids who are YouTubers, right? Which is a thing these days, yeah, apparently. Right. And, yeah. 
Bill, who is a little older than me, um, was hilarious because what he what he did was he kept just every sort of two minutes he'd just go, but what do you actually do to these guys? And they just couldn't like, you know, he was obviously fucking with them. He's a comedian, but it was just hilarious because they were just really struggling to justify their existence. And it's like, well, we just sort of film us doing stuff and put it on YouTube. And he was like, uh-huh. Yeah. That's the Kardashians. Uh, have you seen that? <laughs> yeah, series? I mean, that's what um, I think of it. I mean, it's a similar kind of vibe, right? It's just like, oh, oh God. Have, have you seen that, that David Letterman special on Netflix? Uh, what is it? My next guest. He just had he just had uh, Kim Kardashian on and they're so filthy rich. And it's really Instagram. They just started dicking around on Instagram. Obviously, her father was very famous. <laughs> yeah, being, sure. uh, one of OJ's lawyers or whatever. But uh, aside from that, now what do you do? You sell clothes and makeup, and you're a friggin' trillionaire. Great. Yeah. I think mean, there's part of there's part of me that's that's um, you know hats off. They've made a shitload of money, and none of, none of us have. So <laughs> yeah, but doing uh, what though? You're right. I mean, that's the question. Yeah. A shitload of money, just being what? awful people and letting yeah, us I mean, do it, you know, letting they, us watch them be awful people. They could know? use their platform to do something other than just advertise their lifestyle. But apparently, that's what they make money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't blame anyone for making money off social media. I mean, that's um, uh, so I, I, you know, social media and the internet in general can be used for a lot of good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's sometimes. It's, yeah. I think that social media and the internet is like, it's a tool. It's like fire and you can use fire to make your food taste better or you can use it to burn down your house. And in the same way, like I remember, I mean, that's definitely think that the needle is pushed in one direction rather than the other right now. But I can remember when like Twitter first started, I did a bunch of like secret Twitter shows as in like advertising where I was going to be as the day went on. And it was really exciting and it was really cool. And you could bring people together and you could do all this really interesting stuff in terms of unifying uh, people and communities in a virtual way and all this sort of stuff. And it was really cool. Now people use it to scream at people they disagree with. Oh. And uh, that seems less valuable to me, if I'm honest with you. And, and indeed, I sort of have a bit of a Twitter policy these days, which is that I don't read replies. Um, I don't use it as anything other than a broadcast tool. You know, it's a, it's a one-way interaction as far as I'm concerned, which, you know, some people get a bit annoyed at me for doing that, but it's, it's for, if for nothing else, it's my own mental health that requires <laughs> me to do this yeah. because I've definitely, like, my anxiety levels got absolutely shot for a long time because because of Twitter. And my woman pointed out to me that I'd wake up in the morning and check my Twitter replies. And she was like, well, this doesn't seem like a good way of existing. Not healthy. Yeah. And the problem is Twitter kind of dangles this idea that as a public figure of any kind, that you could listen in to every conversation that's had about you in every bar the world over. And then first of all, no, you can't. And secondly, why would you want to do that? (laughs) Right. It's an insane ambition and it's so tempting and, and I've fallen afoul of it many, many times, but like it's, there's always going to be people sitting in the corner of a bar that you don't go to calling you an arsehole who don't know you and have never mm-hmm. met you and the rest of it. And that's been true as long as rock and roll has existed. But in the past, people like Mick Jagger didn't hear about it and didn't have any ambition to hear about it. And why on earth, I'm not saying I'm like Mick Jagger, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> why on earth? We I got would, that subliminal message. We heard you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but you know, why on earth I would want to then go and listen into all these conversations is a mystery, and and it took me a, a time to learn that lesson. Well, let me let me uh, ask you this though: um, you do use social media for some really good stuff, so let's give some examples for that. Are you still going to be doing any more live stuff from like your living room to help <laughs> out local independent music venues? You've been doing that a lot lately. 
Yeah, we talked um, about also, that a lot on this yeah. on this podcast. Thank you. Um, I did I did the kind of first round of lockdown over here. Um, I just kind of started. I just did one. I was gonna go and do a show at my friend's venue in North London, and then it was like full bore lockdown. Don't leave the house. So I just, just said, well, why don't I do it from my house, and we'll do it as a fundraiser and blah blah blah. It went really well. So then it grew up from there, and and we did sixteen weeks in the end, my wife and I, and we raised just short two hundred thousand pounds, which I'm pretty proud of, and it kept a lot of places going through the really rough patch over the kind of late summer early autumn fall uh, let's say fall um uh the, the um uh, the government credit where credit's due I don't, i'm not a huge fan of the government we have over here but they've actually given a lot of money to support independent venues um a lot of venue in fact the music venue trust who i work with have said that 96 percent of the at-risk venues that they've identified have received grants from the government of like a hundred thousand pounds which is amazing because cool done tick obviously that's not every venue but there's other funds going into that. And it just sort of feels to me at this point, like the venues thing is kind of covered for now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, cool. There are other things. Um, so there's a campaign over here called We Make Events, which is about looking after the people behind the scenes in the music industry, crew, tour mm-hmm. managers, sound, light, uh, staging, trucking, tour buses, all that kind of thing. And they are very much falling between the cracks over here. They don't have any work. They're self-employed, which means they don't get the furlough system that we have over here. And there's a big campaign around that. So I think I'm going to do some, try and do some stuff for that this time around, because as of midnight tonight, which is in, hold on, it's in about eight hours, uh, we're in lockdown too. So um, really, yeah, it's coming back as of midnight time, because of course the virus is going to get much, much worse at midnight. Um, so, right. you know, we yeah. will have to be. The time yeah. thing makes no time. sense to me. I didn't know the virus could tell time. I was right. unaware. Yeah. It's yeah. developed. Uh, it's evolved. What can I say? <laughs> but, um, uh, but it's yeah, got a new so- eye watch. It's like, oh, let's kill people now. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I have various plans afoot. I mean, and they're fun and they give my week structure when I'm not allowed to leave the house. And, you know, and it's to my benefit in the sense that I get to play to my audience. And I'm sure that there have been people who found out who I am during lockdown because of these shows. And, and so it's not completely disinterested, should we say, um, but, but it's fun. It's cool. So Talk like, about your lockdown compared to ours. Sorry, Josh, but I just want like what when you say lockdown at midnight here in America, oh, we've got 50 different lockdowns because it's like 50 different countries in this country. How yeah. are they doing it over there? You're, where, where are um, you right now? Well, so we were all under the same lockdown for a time um, over the summer. It kind of gradually midsummer onwards. Sorry, my computer's making noise. Midsummer onwards, it kind of like loosened up a bit. Um, and uh, it's also it's become slightly different in Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland because they have devolved political assemblies. So the rules are slightly different there. They went through a phase over here having regional kind of different rules in different regions. So the Northwest was locked down for a bit and then the Northeast and then the Midlands. And that got really confusing. And I think that part of the reason that they, not least because people travel around. Do you know what I mean? It's like someone who lives in Leeds who's got family in Southampton was like, see you later. I'm fucking going to where it's not locked down, which is obviously not what they're trying to encourage if you think about it. So they, they're in reintroducing national lockdown. I think it's going to be not quite as harsh as it was in March, but certainly all bars, restaurants closed. You Basically, we're told not to leave the house unless we absolutely have to. Yeah, we were like that in March, pretty much. March and April and May. And yeah, don't leave unless you absolutely have to. But it was more like an asking thing. They, they didn't seem like right. they were too urgent about it. And then if they said something like that now, well, now during this, while we're trying to decide who's going to run this country, it's going to be more guys. I, you'll be surprised to learn that I know about this. <laughs> I didn't quite stay up all night. My sister did. Um, uh, really did. 
I did, and it's shit it's, show. It's a yeah. total shit show. It is. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, it's a shame because um, I am, if nothing else, an enormous America file, if that's a word, like fan of America. I think America is a wonderful place, and I've had lovely experiences over there and met beautiful people and have a lot of respect for its history, its culture, and its institutions. And it's a shame right now. Um, I don't perhaps know enough to, to comment about it in detail, but- um, Nobody does, but everyone talks anyway. That's the great nobody, thing. Well, okay, that is true. No, a little humility. I got off social media because all my friends are apparently political experts and I didn't know they were all fucking doctors. Oh, oh, shit. They're all scientists. Oh. They're all, and they're all weather experts when it starts snowing. This, it, it, yeah, this is one of the stop. social media to a degree. And like, actually, funnily enough, I wrote a song about this. There's a song on Be More Kind called Get It Right, which is about how I think that there are two expressions we could all bear to use more, full stop, but particularly in the context of social media, which is, I don't know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I've changed my mind. You know, oh, God. It's entirely possible. If, if fighting breaks out in Nigeria between the police force and the population, it is entirely legitimate for people like us to go, I don't really know what's going on. Do you know what right. I mean? Rather than like, well, of course, this demonstrates my pre-existing opinion. It's, you know, I mean, fuck off, man. Like, do some reading. Um, fuck off, and, man. Yeah, and, and, and similarly, like, when you do further reading about it, it might change your mind. And that's okay. We live in a culture where there's this kind of like a program attached to the idea of changing a mind, which is intellectually deleterious, in my opinion. We should all change our minds when we learn new things or when facts change. That's the thing we should all do, and we should celebrate it, and we should be proud of it. Do you know what I mean? We should say, huh, I used to think this, and then I learned this, and now I think this. Right. And you should get a round of applause for doing that rather than being like, traitor, or whatever. Well, you know? In this country over the past decade, maybe more, it's been some... Uh, you know, learning, getting and educating yourself and bettering, bettering yourself, uh, getting informed seems to have been vilified somehow. Like, ex, you know, yeah. doing an education, um, getting the facts right, pursuing the truth has all been vilified. You know, like, you're supposed to, so all of a sudden you're a smart ass, you know, and you don't know what it's really like because you spent you know, all that time in school trying to learn what the world was all about or whatever. <laughs> You know, yeah, for some reason in this country, you know, having an education became a bad thing. At How dare point. you? I think I think you guys are further down that road than we are over here. Um, I'm sort of sad to say for you guys and happy to say for me. Um, but <laughs> although although I have to say it, it often feels like we're kind of trailing in your guys' wake. So we have much to look forward to. Oh, God. Uh, but I mean, it's yeah, it's a strange thing. Kind of ideas about objectivity went out of intellectual fashion. I do think this applies across the political spectrum. I think that, that you know, it's. It's definitely the fringes on both sides are equally as guilty of this, in my opinion. And it's, it's a shame. I'm, I'm old fashioned. I believe in objective truth and I believe in kind of rational argumentation. But um, like in that kind of way of thinking is like it applies to like a lot of people I see now. They're, they don't want to do any of the work to like get to go where they want to go. They just want to be rich and famous without doing the work. And sure. I feel I feel like even one of your lyrics goes very well with that. If you're all about the destination, then just take a fucking flight, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think one of the things that's funny to me is like, I, I mean, I'm, I am 38 years old, which means in the context of making rock and roll for a living, I'm on the upper edge of the demographic, let's say. Do you know what I mean? It certainly it thins out around here. And, and that's fine. I'm, it means I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful for that. But it's an interesting thing because like, you know, I do my email address to public domain. I get a lot of emails and, and I've, it's a tiny thing, but you notice over time that in the last few years, there's more kids like emailing me being like, I want to be famous. And it's like, cool, I can't help you with that. 
because to the extent that I am quote unquote famous, it's annoying to me. Um, I don't want to be famous. I want to be a musician. I want to be a good musician. I wouldn't mind being a respected musician. That's cool. That's nothing wrong with that. But it's like my aim, my purpose in life is to play music well and to wake up every morning and think about how I could do it better. And then if um, you end up paying your bills with that, then cool. Yeah, totally. And if, and if you turn around and say, hey, I really like the way you play music, I'll go, oh, fucking hey, thanks very much. That's cool. But it's not the point. You know what I mean? And and there is definitely a sense in which, I mean, you know, it's it's a little bit, among other things, I'm kind of like, if you want to just be famous, don't be a musician, be an Instagram person. It's way quicker. Um, do you know what I mean? And like, Be a Kardashian. Right. Exactly. Be a Kardashian. I'm, as far as I'm aware, Kim Kardashian sucks at the bass. So... Yeah. <laughs> Talk about your. Uh, 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 I was like, hold on a second. I want yeah, to kind yeah. of pursue what he's saying here. So, you know, you have you have um, you have young musicians, young artists emailing you, you say, and asking you how to, how they become famous, and that's kind of what your was at the Lost Evenings Festival was kind of about. You were kind of helping artists kind yeah. of meet the business and and not necessarily how to become famous, but how to kind of nurture themselves and cultivate what they have. Right. Well, that's, a, I think, yeah, the point is that there are two separate things here. There's being good and even being successful as a musician and then there's being famous. Um, there are a lot of bad musicians who are famous and there are a lot of great musicians who aren't and there are a lot of people who are famous who aren't musicians at all and so on and so forth. Um, Lost Evenings, yeah, it's about, I mean, I guess it's trying to spread the love. There's a degree, there's parts of the music industry which feel like a closed shop at times and there are people who want to like pull up the ladder. You know, when they've become successful, they don't want anyone following in their wake and I think that's lame. Um, you know, the greatest thing that I can do with my life I say this sometimes and it sounds a little bit rehearsed because it, I have said it before, but it's not untrue. One of my ambitions in life is that in like 20 years time, a band who I took out as a support act will give me a charity support slot at their Wembley Stadium headline show. Also, this guy, do you know what I mean? And, 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 and I'll be, but and the thing is, I wouldn't have any bitterness in my heart about that. I'd be so stoked because when I take bands on tour, it's because I think they're fucking great and I want more people to hear them and be excited about them as I am. And so, yeah, so that's the thing I've always done with support acts when I got lost even trying to kind of like amplify that a little bit. Um, the other purpose of that, and this is depressingly true, is that I have this habit of getting drunk and promising people support slots, right? Um, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of great bands in the world, right? And I go to a show and I have a few beers and I see a great band. And I'm like, man, we're getting on tour together. Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And I have this, I promise you on my laptop, I have this enormous list of bands that I've promised this to. And what's great about Lost Evenings is I can book so many bands that it takes loads of those implied favors off. And that's awesome. Look like less of a dickhead. <laughs> you plan on, on you know, they, you had to cancel the last one. You actually had one here in Boston. Yeah, we certainly uh, did. A couple years ago at the House of Blues. But mm -hmm. are you, do you have any plans to do that virtually or at some kind of you know, big arena, social distancing? <clears throat> I... The, that's a good question, which I'm still, I mean, I don't think I'm going to do Lost Evenings virtually. I think the thing for me is that like the whole thing of like online shows, streaming shows, virtual shows, whatever you want to call them. Suddenly at the beginning, it was like, well, this is a stopgap. This is the only thing we can do right now. It fills a hole and it's kind of like, it's still communicating with people and all the rest of it. But very, very strongly in my heart, this is not a replacement for an actual show. This is not going to stand in the stead of it. The comment, and I think most people felt like that. Conversation moved on a little bit now, and I'm still pretty kind of like resistant to the idea that this might be a kind of component of the future in the sense that it's not the same. For me, the point, what I love about 
shows about rock and roll is the ephemerality of it the idea that you're just in this one night when it's this one group one particular selection yep. of people one particular man one particular room and there's something magic happens and it can never be recreated which is why live dvds are a waste of time even though i just put one out um, and, <laughs> but do you know what i mean it's like it's there's a magic that was there and if you weren't there then fuck it buy a ticket for later on in the tour or whatever right now the thing is you know obviously this whole thing is lasting much longer than most people initially thought that it would and that might change things and the one argument that has changed my mind about this a tiny bit is that there are demographics for whom going to shows is going to be problematic for a long time if not indefinitely i'm talking about people with respiratory diseases or people who are carers for the elderly or whatever it might be some of those people may never be able to go to shows again i don't know but you know maybe the vaccine will be fullest but it's possible that even when we get back to a point where most young fit healthy people can go to shows there will still be people for whom that isn't true and i don't want those people to then to just be like well fuck it, you can't come to a show or ever see a show again that sucks you know what i mean so there is an argument to be made that there might be an element of streaming in the future that becomes more common um but i still cling to this idea that a rock and roll show is of different like conceptual category yeah. for a live stream oh and, yeah and i don't want to um i don't want to sort of it's a, almost to turn around and say that was going to do lost evenings virtually would almost feel defeatist to me do you know what i mean i'm going to wait it out i'm going to do that again somewhere in the world when i can um and i can't wait and i don't know when and where it's going to be but it'll happen but right. you know, maybe we have to be patient yeah so like right before this whole virus thing happened i was actually lucky enough to see one of my last concerts which was you um, in Boston at the Sinclair, but it was it was oh, yeah. uh, it was Mongol Horde. <laughs> oh yeah, right. sorry, now I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was an amazing show to go to. My my wife is the one. Not, we've been together nine years, and she's the one that got me in into your music. And ever since our like our first month of dating, we've gone to see you every single year. So it's been okay. like it, it's been weird this fall because you usually come to Boston in the fall time. That we're usually at a Frank Turner concert right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, totally. I'll get my guitar. I'll, I'll do the second album. Um, uh, but, uh, right, we're all in. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, Mongol Hood's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's a different thing. It's a different side of my personality, let's say. Um, so if I could talk about uh, John Snodgrass. So you've, done, you've released a couple of singles with John Snodgrass, and, and yeah. uh, he's like... I was I wasn't familiar with him at all until I listened to those couple of songs on Spotify, mm -hmm. and he's worked with a ton of like under, American underground people, like the oh, Descendants yeah. and and uh, and all and all these like punk rock bands and stuff. Yeah. And how did you hook up with him? Um, I met John on a tour called the Revival Tour that was in. Uh, I did it. It was a thing that Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music organized. It happened a few times. I did 2008 and 2009, and he was on 2009. John's amazing. He's a lovely guy. He has an enormous pedigree. Um, I think there's a fair argument to be made that he was one of the first people to start bringing country influences into punk rock of my broader generation. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, there's social media yeah. and there's other things but like if you look back at the armchair marsh and stuff or indeed drag the river most importantly because john's a country aficionado and, and there was a real influence coming in there at a you know even before lucero were doing it you know what i mean and and um so you know but he's also he's just a super nice dude he's wildly eccentric um in a completely lovable lovable way i remember at the end of the tour that we did together in 2009 um you know last day of the tour i was like let's swap phone numbers and he said Oh, buddy, 
He said, he said, you want to be careful. He said, I can't do an American accent, so I'm not going to try. He said, you want to be careful. He said, you give me your phone number. I'm the kind of guy who's going to use it. And I was just like, okay. Um, uh, and, uh, and he did. Um, and yeah, he's just a lovely guy. And we did this record 10 years ago called Buddies that we wrote in a day and recorded in a day. This one we wrote in a day over Zoom um, back in like April, I think it was, April or May. Uh, you know, real depth of lockdown kind of time and we wrote 10 songs in a day and then spent i spent time so i've been learning how to like properly engineer and mix and produce records uh during lockdown so i arranged recorded mixed the album so that's how that's gone john did vocals and guitar and i did pretty much everything else uh, apart from, on what the 13th um yes <laughs> i'm gonna say yes i don't know november 13th yes, buddies there we go thank you well done that's good well, well i'm your read. pr um, guy yeah and uh, well, the flies it's out now <laughs> yeah yeah um but we had we had stefan edgerton from descendants play drums on about half the record which was cool. so cool i've known i've known stefan for a few years but he's still fucking stefan edgerton from descendants you know what i mean like <laughs> and there's and, this, um, he invented yeah. a genre you wouldn't have bands like blink 182 or green day or any of the pop punk stuff without that shit. yeah totally so yeah. yeah so um it was it was uh it was a super fun record to make and we've got two songs around there now and I'm looking forward to everyone hearing the whole thing. I have a question about um, Bad Times, Good Vibes. When I first listened to it on Spotify, it, first of all, it's a great tune. It starts off as this punk tune and then it has this really great country breakdown where John comes in and really just, you know, gives it that Americana thing. But then when I first listened to it, the second half was like a conversation you guys were having. Like the music oh, yeah. popped. And it was like you guys talking in the studio, and then John like took a phone call from his daughter, or yeah. something like that. And, and what I think so, is, really is he calls you Francis. Yeah, he does. As does my mother. <laughs> Him and my mom. Jesus. So was that something that was like consciously put in there, or did you guys like? It was it an accident, and then you were like, "Oh fuck it, let's just leave it." It's fun. No, so the first buddies record is because we, we recorded it in a day, pretty much as like it wasn't quite one long take, but it wasn't far off that. It's got loads and loads of chat between the songs, oh, okay. And that was kind of a feature of that record. So we wanted to do the same thing again for this one. Obviously, we weren't recording it quite the same way, so it had to be ever so slightly staged. But the way that we did it is that we just kind of set up the record on like a shared listening stream thing with each other, and then just like chatted over zoom and recorded each other's end of it whatever so the, the record has a lot of silly talking on it well i have to i have to sadly it's gone it's just the song now well, I the, the, yeah the, we did a sing, quote unquote single edit there will be like once once the record proper comes out there's a lot of nonsense on it because i was really confused i was like what the fuck's going on here and then i'm like <laughs> punk rock just to fucking that's how i feel that's usually how hanging out with john is what the fuck is going on here? But it's punk the fuck. So. The next album should be called "What the fuck is going on here." Right. Well, no, actually, John's decided that the next record in another ten years is going to be called "Buddies Three Buddies at Sea." Okay, so, all right. You know, in ten like, more years, record it in a boat, and I'm like, that sounds like a terrible idea. But anyway, I liked the uh, when you did uh, "Make America Great Again" from uh, "Be More Kind." I listened to the song first of all and was like, okay, because obviously. Make America Great is all over the place, a Trump, you know, sure. uh, uh, line. And then I listened to the song and I was like, okay. Then I did a, dug a little deeper and saw the video when you were in Austin, Texas, and you yeah, came yeah. out with the bow tie and you had a sign that was like, I'm just going to walk around. First of all, I fucking miss just being able to walk around, you know, yeah. because you're out talking to people, shaking hands, and people were writing really cool things on this sign about what they really loved about America. Talk about that Make America Great Again song and what inspired you to do it and what inspired you to just to walk around in Austin. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, it was a that that was a song written in 2016, and it was a pretty. We sort of touched on this earlier, and I don't want to get too deep into talking about politics, but like I neither do we. It seems to me that um, Donald Trump represents the American id, the worst parts of America, and the bits that I don't like personally. Um, uh, and, and just kind of like the worst instincts of the national culture and in a way that's kind of a shame because I think that the better instincts of American culture are fantastic. So um, I wanted to write this. I had the idea of writing the song and I was kind of staggered that I, I was like, I've got to get this song out there because someone's going to beat me to the punch. It's such an obvious idea for a song. Um, and nobody else did it. So whatever. You um, win. Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, so put the song out there and then um, uh, for the video, like walking around dressed like an asshole in the street in Austin, Texas, even though I mean, it's Austin. So it's a pretty kind of it's comparatively safe area to do that during South by Southwest. There's a lot of strange people around. Um, nevertheless, walking up to people dressed like an idiot and ask them questions. You know, I'm not like one of those comedians who does that. It doesn't come naturally to me. So I got pretty drunk before I did it. Um, <laughs> in order to, uh, well, and then also had, had some friends help me out kind of coloring people to come and be part of the video. But it was really fun. We got a, a broad selection of people. There were some pretty crazy people there. Um, but it, it was cool. I, I like it. It was fun. I encourage people to Google that "Make America yeah. Great." Look for the video he did in Austin. It was very, it was great fun. work, very funny. Guys, yeah. I'm, I hate to do this. I have another interview in two minutes' time, so I'm okay. going to have to. Bow can, out. I, can I just ask you one more question? That's a yes cool. or no. Mm. Um, it's been almost ten years since I still believe came out, and over that ten years, you've you've gone through a lot musically, personally, and everything like that. Do you still believe rock and roll can save our? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, that's a song that's always had a degree of tongue in its cheek. Not that I don't mean it necessarily, but it's like I'm not quite that fucking po faced. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but um, which hopefully is apparent in the song and indeed in everything I do. But like, yeah, definitely. I don't think rock and roll saves the world, but it saved me you know, and that's meaningful to me. Um, uh, yeah, and it still gives my life meaning. In fact, the, the thing that I nearly missed the start of this interview for is I'm working on a record with a friend of mine at the moment and I was knee deep in working out a killer fucking bass line. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing better than, and Kim Kardashian couldn't have played it. And you She know, sucks. Yeah, and, and it was just, I love it. Yeah, it's still my whole life. All Go right. do your thing, brother. Frank Turner's uh, Buddies 2 coming out November 13th, brother. It comes out Thank November 13th. Can we say you're back in Boston again? I certainly, as soon as I possibly can be. Good right. luck. Thanks, Peace. See you later. Good luck. Bye. Thanks, guys. Cheers. <clears throat> that was awesome, Josh. I didn't realize you and uh, you and the wife uh, year after year went and saw him. That's very cool. Oh, yeah. No, Frank, uh, which it, I, I wanted to tell him, but yeah, Frank was uh, her, her favorite musician and like still to this day, I can tell when she's sick or hung over or not feeling well because she she listens to Frank. It's like yeah. hung over here. <laughs> hey, that's that's good. He's got some really good music. I, I wanted to ask him. I didn't get to it, but how he went from a hardcore band, Million Dead, and what that sounds like. It's like listening to Corey Taylor, Mike. It's like you go from, you know, Broken Glass to fucking Neo Forte off the fucking latest album. Yeah. Like. Whoa! <laughs> well, you know, like he was super young then, and you know, yeah. you're full of you're full, as they say, full of piss and vinegar. And yes. then you start, and in his case, he he just became a very good songwriter and yeah. felt, you know, that the way he does things now is the best way to present his music. And and I think uh, his, you know, he's good friends with this uh, artist named Billy Bragg, who okay. is very much like him. In fact, when I first heard Frank Turner on the radio. I, I first thought it was Billy Bragg, and then it's like, no, he sounds too young. I was like, I wonder if this is Billy Bragg's kid. 
<laughs> very much like Billy Bragg in a lot of ways. And Billy Bragg was doing the same thing he was, he's doing now kind of uh, back in the uh, early eighties when I saw him and, and his thing, Billy Bragg's thing was he was a folk singer, but he didn't play an acoustic guitar. He played an electric guitar. Oh, cool. He would come out with just an electric guitar and him and he'd sing his songs and he was funny. And he, he just like Frank, he had great sense of humor, very clever. Uh, but he's also a super activist and, um, does a lot for charities and, and, uh, and efforts to help, uh, you know, people who are down and out. And, uh, so I think that influence, cause I wanted to ask him about him helping other artists who was the person mm. that helped him the most, but I bet that he would probably say, I'm guessing he would say Billy Bragg. Yeah, that's cool. Cause he kind of took him under his wing and they've done a lot of stuff. If you search Billy Bragg, Frank Turner on YouTube, you'll see them playing together at a ton of stuff. And, and, um, and Billy Bragg is definitely worth seeking out worth your time seeking out if you're looking for something new to listen to which is funny because like his his style that is kind of like a it's like maybe like a folk americana type sound mm -hmm. that frank turner has and then like that's how i was introduced to him i didn't know about his like his hardcore like bands <laughs> yeah, in his past and then and then yeah. when i went to go see mongol horde he like came out in the beginning of the first mongol horde song was the beginning to a christmas song and i was like oh it's just like frank turner and then it got to a certain point and he just kicked the mic stand and he was at an 11 for the next hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He still has that in him. You know, a lot of artists, you know, they, they, like you said, Isaiah, Corey Taylor's like that, you know, he can right. do stuff like, you know, through glass, you know, and, right. then, and then he'll do stuff with Slipknot or, you know, other Stone Sour. Stone Sour, right. Or, it's like, how can you sing like that after screaming like that? Oh my God. Corey Taylor's voice, a bunch of interviews, whether it was on AAF or what, you know, the guy's voice is shot. I'm like, you got to do some lemon juice, man. Because when he sings, I mean, sounds like Frank. I mean, it just it's a good voice, good writer, but um, then can, yeah. like you said, kick a stand over and go on 12 for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Strong performer. Yeah. Well, that was great. <laughs> Setting that up, Josh, because I was good. Frank Turner, not as much as you have, but I've listened to his music over the years and um, it's, it's cool to actually talk to him and, and get some insight. Yeah. Um, I liked that whole be more kind album. I listened to that, that I got through that whole one. It, I, I tried the, the flies or the fleas rather, which is the new yeah. single off this thing. Yeah. And then I, I just went back to that and stuck with one album and it was pretty like, I was not surprised, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty hardcore rock guy, but that was good shit. That was really good music. Great songwriter. And the fleas is such a, it's such a like, that's a heavy tune, just about yeah. how much humanity is is sucks. But he always has a little bit of idealism, you know, in his music. So he'll give you the really depressing stuff sometimes, but there'll always be some kind of positive twist. Like he has this song that haunts me. It's called Falling in Love. Josh, have you heard right. that one? What is it? Falling in Love? Yes. Yeah. Super, super depressing. It sounds like the national or the really sad Radiohead stuff. Really? And I'm listening to it, and it's about... Uh, this couple and it's from like he's I guess playing one of them the guy's side and he's saying things like the cabin's filling with smoke and the oxygen masks are coming down and hold on Jesus. to my hand and things are going to be okay um, and then eventually it's it turns a little like okay we're gonna die but our love will never die Ooh. And it's like super depressing, but you still come away feeling like, huh, there's that little bit, if you can call it that little bit of idealism, like, all right, we're dead. We're going to die in a fiery plane crash, but we're in love. We're, together we're, still, at least. we're in a good place because there's a lot of people who aren't feeling like this on this plane. Right. We're die. Maybe never even feel what love ever was or is or whatever like that, but we're in love. 
so I was, and then I was like, that's the title falling, literally falling in love, in love, but he haunted me to the point where it's like, I listened to it twice. And then I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. And I, was like, <laughs> you know, I want to hear this song. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Maybe I should get home first, you know, so I can hug <laughs> the child after listening to it. It was just, it's such a good tune. Maybe man. I shouldn't smoke weed before listening to no, it. Oh yeah, do you know, this is not. <laughs> don't not, get so uh, high. No, it is terrible. That, that speaking would be of, speaking of hugging your child, you're doing homeschooling today. You said that Chloe's well, doing some math. Well, she, Worcester Tech is, is learning virtually. So I got to get off here because this is also, this mop just my office, but it's her classroom now. Like her stuff is all over the place. There's like notebooks and pens and things. And, and she's got a math quiz coming up here and in about five minutes. So I get it. It's a, it's a radio studio and a math room. Right. Yes. It's a math class. She's, she's like, check your mail, do the math, do a podcast, do it's everything in there. I don't want to brag, but she's acing math. And I think fantastic but at the same time it's baffling because i failed algebra four times it's before your wife's genes finally just said let's just move on just move him out of here he's a pain in the ass and then i had to take it during summer school when i went to college so i could get my degree i'm so bad at math I'm and awful my wife math. is the same way my wife is just terrible at math oh, we're both but she's like well if you knew math you'd know two negatives make a positive i don't know if that's right but what if two people are bad at math, maybe it's, you know, you My come head hurt. someone good at math. Gosh, I'm, I'm so bad at math. I don't even know what that means. I don't I'm confused. I Nobody on this show could be equal to MX plus B, and I don't know what that means, but I, I don't know. All I know Nobody is- could be an accountant on this show. I haven't used algebra yet. That's no. all. I know. <laughs> you, you know what I use? I use a fucking calculator. Right? Yeah, exactly. I got one on my phone. <laughs> exactly. Your binder. But yeah, that was That was great. Do we need to do have, sponsors or do you have that all pre-recorded? No, I'll do I'll I'll do them, but I just I I do wish we were able to talk to him longer. Maybe we'll get him on again sometime. He was good. Well, he's got this thing coming up. Um uh, I think it's on the 13th when the new album comes out called uh where is it here? It's the um The Kind Fest 2020. Okay. And that's going to be a live stream event on also on November 13th. Okay. Um, you know, maybe we can get him back on to promote that. Or if he's got another charity thing going on, just, uh, you know, reach out, Josh, let him know that if he wants to promote. Yeah. Know, full support. I do like on his website that they actually have, you know, 2021 shows There's one in France, one in Belgium. It's like, fuck it. At least put these things on the calendar. We don't know if we can get there, but he's uh, at least they're trying to think about doing dates. I mean, what the fuck else can we do? got to move everything out one year yeah you gotta you know you gotta be ready right and, and like he was talking those crews are hurting so oh god you gotta give them some kind of hope and then if it can actually happen get it in the gear so they can start earning money again you know not just them but the parking attendants and the everybody and you know security people and maintenance i mean everything that goes along with sporting events and live music oh, i can't wait for the first are. live show i know i miss that i really miss that the most so bad and I miss so bad. sitting at a bar watching the shitty Red Sox. I miss that. <laughs> yeah, we might get Alex Korobak. We can just kind of like say sure, those two back. years didn't happen. Whatever. See ya. Same thing with the Patriots. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Celtics push them to the you know, side and start over. Bring him back. Make him president. That's what yes. he, he, he already knows how to cheat and win. You know, wait a minute. Neither of these guys do apparently. So hey, hey, you know, let's bring him hey. back. For crying out loud. All right, I got to get my fucking cat. He's eating everything in the fucking room. Shut up. Get out of here. My daughter's got a math quiz. All right. right. (laughs) Go back to bed, Josh. Hope your back feels better. All right, Josh. Thanks. Uh, Big shout out to Nicole at Invoke Media. Find her at invoke.media. 
web design, SEO, uh, anything digital marketing. She put together breakingtheicepodcast.com. That's where you can see all of our episodes, uh, all the blogs, all the pictures, the merchandise, uh, all kinds of stuff. Big shout out to Nicole. She's a huge supporter of Breaking the Ice. Thank you, Nicole. Invoke.media is where you can find her. So if you need any digital marketing, SEO, SEM, web development, website stuff, Nicole is your girl. Thank you. So you guys may have noticed that um, you haven't been hearing my dogs a lot in the previous episodes. I know now I'm in the studio. I'm not at home. But um, the reason that the barking kind of took a nosedive was because they've been spending a lot of time at our new sponsor, Hollister Meadows Pet Resort. And I love bringing them there. By the time they get home, they're, they're zoinked out. They're just, they, they're out for the night. They, they're awesome with the dogs at Holliston Meadows. They do, they do some, they have parties for the dogs. It's a resort. I mean, they have like gourmet. I, I'm, you're not going to get me to say it. I think, I think this is why they signed on because they want me to say, um, but anyway, Holliston Meadows Pet Resort offers boarding, daycare, grooming services, and as I said, they do major holiday parties. They have one coming up for Halloween. Um, last year, they got pictures with Santa, and I think this year they're doing something for Thanksgiving. Um, so, I mean, if that's the kind of thing you're into and you want to dress your dog up like Mike Shue hates, just make if you have a pet first of all bring them to Hollister Meadows Pet Resort and then make an Instagram for that pet and then follow Mike Shue um, he will love you for it so go follow Holliston Meadows on Instagram while you're on there making an Instagram for your pet at Holliston Meadows or go to hollistonmeadows.com to book your next day they're so exclusive they only take pets And of course, we got to give a huge shout out to Chris Riggs of Garage Doors Plus. I mean, he's been with us since the beginning. He was there when AF went off the air. He was in studio with us. And he has been a loyal supporter of the Breaking the Ice podcast. And we've had him on a few times. And he's been on HGTV. Now I'm just going through this kid's resume. <laughs> they offer custom garage doors, parts, accessories, garage door installation and maintenance. Uh, he also does security gates and also offers 24-7 emergency repair, which, which is actually pretty nice because I got stuck in a garage when I was five, but that's a whole other story um, for another time. But it never would have happened on Chris Riggs' watch at Garage Doors Plus. Um, I, w I wish I had his number back then in 1997. Uh, so go to gdplus.com. Chris and his professional team will make sure that you have the highest level of help and they offer free estimates. So call 617-458-1148 or email chris at gdplus.com. That's chris at gdplus.com. Dot com. They open doors when you can't. Also, our friend Matt over at Wolfpack Coffee USA has been fueling this podcast for months now, and I can't thank him enough because, I mean, I know we, we drink beer sometimes on the show, but make no mistake, the rest of the day is Wolfpack Coffee. Um, I, I should probably drink a little bit more water, do you think? Ah, there's water in the coffee, right? 
Um, Wolfpack Coffee is veteran-owned, veteran-run. And if you're not drinking Wolfpack Coffee every day, I have one question for you. Why do you hate the troops? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but seriously, if, if you support the troops, go support Wolfpack Coffee. Um, for all your coffee needs, go to wolfpackcoffeeusa.com and follow them on Instagram at wolfpackcoffeeusa. Also, they have a pretty nice website built by Nicole at Invoke Media, who also built our site and made us look way more professional than we are. Um, so go to wolfpackcoffeeusa.com. I think they have a tagline here, right? Run with the pack and drink up Wolfpack Coffee USA. Oh, 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 oh